Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Final half hour with you here on 106.7 The Fan and the Odyssey app. Toby Altizer carrying you up until Charlie and Dave take over with Nats on deck for game two. Nats, Giants. C.J. Abrams' bobblehead night. Also, make sure you listen in to 106.7 The Fan tonight in the game because Dylan Cruz is going to hop by the broadcast booth with Charlie and Dave, I believe during the fifth inning, but just keep it tuned there the whole time. Just listen to the game. You can watch it on TV, but listen to the game here on 106.7 The Fan. Dylan Cruz is going to hop by with the broadcast at some point during the night. Vic told me the fifth inning, but... Things could be up in the air, but he's going to hop by with them at some point. Also want to talk about C.J. Abrams here. It's his bobblehead hit night tonight. Bobblehead night tonight is what I was trying to say. He's been such a different player. I was talking about that last segment. He's been such a different player in the leadoff spot. So just looking at some of his splits and looking at his season on a whole. So on a whole this season, 257 average, 45 runs scored, 37 RBIs, 19 stolen bags, only a 304 on base percentage, 424 slug for a 729 OPS. Now just above league average in terms of OPS plus at 103. I think if you were to look at this as a whole and you were to just say this is what CJ's done for you this season, I think that fans in general would be okay with it. Not that you'd be thrilled. You know, I mean, looking at a guy that's only got a 304 on base. 729 OPS. I don't know that they're going to be over the moon about it. But just looking at the totals as a whole, I think you'd be fine with it. You'd say, all right, he's a young guy. He's growing. But the way that he's gone about it almost gives you more courage in what he can do going forward, right? It's almost more encouraging. The fact that this is a guy that got off to a bit of a slow start. And then since he's got put in the leadoff spot, really over the last month, he's been a totally different hitter. So looking at what he's done in that leadoff spot, it's a small sample size, I understand. Now we're looking at only 10 games, 46 plate appearances. But in those 46 plate appearances, 17 hits, a double, a triple, two homers, only three RBIs, eight stolen bags, only five strikeouts, two walks. That's a 415 batting average, a 455 on base, and a 634 slug. That's over 1,000 OPS, almost 1,100. That's a totally different guy than we were seeing all season long. That's a guy that looks confident at the plate, 
And like you said, I mean, if you've watched the games, he looks more confident in the field. Obviously, on the base paths, something has changed where he looks more confident there as well. He's stealing bags all over the place. And what I like to see is a guy that causes havoc on the base pass. Not a guy that just steals bags all the time. But the way that he goes about it, the way that he causes havoc out there. Think about a couple games ago. He steals second, and then Luis Garcia broke for home from third. And because of that, because of how fast Abrams is, they threw down to second and weren't able to get Garcia at home. And I think the throw got away, and Abrams ended up at third base. Those sort of plays, though, get you runs. Getting out of double plays, even, because you're stealing second base. Getting into scoring position. And if you just look at what CJ's done this season, you know, the narrative coming into the season was soft-hitting shortstop. I mean, I think Trey Turner, for a lot of his career, was like that. He hits for some power now, but it's not like he's always barreling balls all over the yard. Some of it, like I said, is just getting base hits by hitting the ball on the ground to the left side, making it a tough play for the shortstop or third baseman because of the elite speed that they have. This season, C.J. Abrams has ranked in the 83rd percentile in speed. That's what you want to see. His average exit velocity is only in the 15th percentile. It's not like he's hitting the ball all that hard. His hard hit percentage, 20th percentile. Barrel percentage, 28th percentile. Okay, so it's not like he's been hitting the ball harder, but you're just putting the ball in play. You make things happen with that speed. And, you know, that's something that maybe doesn't work out for a longevity of a career because at some point you start to slow down a little bit. But guys have made long careers out of being guys that hit the ball, put the ball in play, and use their speed. And I think CJ can be more than that. But even if that's all he becomes, like D. Gordon had a long career by stealing a lot of bags and finding ways to get on base, specifically just hitting the ball on the ground and finding a way to get through, right? I mean, it's not like D. Gordon was hitting lots of home runs. But then when you've watched C.J. at times, I don't know if you can pull this height, uh, highlight for me, Mike. He had a home run, I believe it was last night. Like This is a guy that's shown you throughout the season as well that he can hit for some power. This is a guy that's hit balls into the second deck. I mean, we were talking with Keith Law. It doesn't seem like he's a guy that projected for a lot of power, a guy that maybe you thought maybe he could get to 15. But what we've seen from him this year was talking with Ryan. I think he can get to 20, 25. I don't think he's a 30 homer guy. I don't think he's ever going to be what Trey Turner is in terms of power, what he showed you in the World Baseball Classic. Like, I don't think he's got that in him. But I like the approach that he's had. I like how different he's been in that leadoff spot, kind of taking what's given to him. If a fastball's coming in too quick, shoot it the other way. Turn on breaking balls and send them. I think that he's got the ability to make lots of impact with his bat, and especially with some of the power that we haven't seen tons all year. But, I mean, you saw it last night. The old adage, can't steal first. Finding ways to get on and absolutely run past it right here. This one flying. See you later. C.J. Abrams, number nine. And the first two guys in the lineup have gone deep tonight. And it's not like he's hit tons and tons of homers. That's only number nine you heard from Carp there. But I think he's shown you enough that at times this guy can run into it. 
And so I think he's just finding his way. And I think this is a credit to Davey Martinez because we like to give a lot of flack to Davey. We do. You know, he, he makes the wrong decision with the bullpen, which, to be honest with you, every decision he makes with the bullpen right now is the wrong decision because <laughs> every decision he makes ends up blowing up because that bullpen has been horrendous recently. Horrible. Hard to watch, honestly. And it could get worse. So buckle up because Finnegan, Harvey, Carl Edwards Jr., those guys might not be long in the curly W. We'll see what happens with the trade deadline. But I would assume that at least one of them gets moved. And if that's the case and you only trust three guys in the bullpen already and you cut that down by one, maybe two, yikes. So the bullpen could get a little bit ugly. But we love to give flack to Davey. We do. He's a nice guy. But I think you've got to give him some props here and what he does well. And that's managing the attitudes in the clubhouse, keeping the guys motivated, making sure they're working hard. They play hard no matter what. That's something that Davey's done a fantastic job with. But specifically in this instance, I think he noticed a little bit of a change with CJ because he started to hit the ball a little bit better. He started to steal some bags in that nine hole, in that eight hole. And then he looked at him and said, you know what? This guy needs to have some extra responsibility. I'm going to challenge him. You know, I asked him after that second game where he spent time in the leadoff spot against the Texas Rangers, that series before the All-Star break. You know, I asked him, I was like, Davey, what have you thought so far? He's like, oh, you know, I called him in the office and challenged him. And I said, I think you should be a leadoff hitter. This is what it takes. I told him what it takes. But I think you should be a leadoff guy. I think that's who you need to be for us going forward. And since then, again, I I know it sounds like I'm a broken record here, but he's a different player. He really is. And you can see it if you've been watching every night. This guy is just more confident at the plate. His approach is different. He's a little bit got a little more swag. I think what it is is sometimes when you have players like that with CJ, and it's not to say that anything negative, but you know, he can be a little lackadaisical and carefree, and that's just kind of his attitude, kind of a quiet guy. You know, seeing him in the clubhouse, he's kind of a quiet guy, not you know, too boisterous or anything crazy like you've seen with other guys. It's not like he's like Luis Garcia or someone like that that's really jovial and out there all the time. Not to say that he's not happy, but he's just not that kind of guy, and there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes when you have a guy with that kind of a personality, you need to give them a little extra responsibility or do something to make it so that they feel ownership of something to go to that next level. And I think Davey saw that with CJ and said, hey, man, Let's put you in that leadoff spot. You've got the tools for it. Now let's see it up there. And he's taking ownership of that. I think CJ shows up to the yard every night knowing that he's going to be in the leadoff spot now and says, I'm the leadoff guy. He looks himself in the mirror. I'm the leadoff guy. What does that mean? That means I need to get on base. That means I need to steal bags. That needs to mean, that means I need to score runs. I need to make a difference for this ball club. And I think that's made a difference for him. Come into the ballpark with that kind of attitude as opposed to, all right, I'll be penciled in the nine hole, go about my business, you know, I'll, I'll go through batting practice and do everything. Not to say that he's not trying his best in the nine hole when he was penciled in there, but it's just a totally different mindset when you go in and own your spot. No one wants to say they're owning the bottom of the order. You want to be hitting at the top, and he's hit at the top his whole life. Think about it. That's how it works, you know? You go from being the top dog in your high school to now you're 
batting in the bottom of the order can be a little bit tough at times. This is a guy now that has taken ownership of the leadoff spot and has made a big difference up there. He's been such a different player, and I think that this is the player that the Nationals expected when they traded for him. He's not going to hit 400 in the leadoff spot the rest of the year. I'm not an idiot, contrary to what you may think. But I think that 280, like Ryan said, I think that's realistic. A guy that can steal 30, 40, 50 bags with how the game has changed this season with the new rules. I mean, Acuna is on pace to steal, what, 60, 70 bags? Why can't CJ steal 50? Right? Like, I mean, he's picked it up to a pace now where he's stealing a bag a game almost. He's not going to do that over a course of a season. But in a big pinch, this guy can create offense for you. Bunting maybe to get on at some point. We'll see. I'm not sure that that's the long-term plan either, but I think that this guy has so much more that hasn't been tapped into. And then you look at that Soto trade again, and you got Abrams, Hassel, Wood, Gore, Susana. I mean, all those guys you have to be encouraged about. Hassel's been a little bit discouraging, we talked about with Keith Law. But again, I think that when everyone is consensus on a guy that he's going to be a good big leaguer, a guy that you can pencil in the lineup every day, Maybe he's not a superstar. Maybe he's not an all-star, but this is a guy you can pencil in every day. I have a hard time believe, believing that every single person missed on that guy. So we'll see about Hassel. But Wood, I mean, even Keith Law's low on him. He's still got him ranked number 20. A lot of publications have him in the top 10 in terms of prospect rankings. You got to be excited about that. Susana, I think he projects as a closer. Grant watches him all the time, Grant Paulson. You see him tweet about it when he's down there in Fredericksburg. But either way, a young guy throwing 100, I mean, that sounds like a closer to me, but we'll see. They're still developing him as a starter. Maybe he can turn into that. And then think about the guys at the big league level. You've seen flashes from Gore where he's been really good. And now it's just about finding consistency and, like Ryan said, staying healthy. And I think it's the same way with CJ, where he's shown you flashes really all year long in every facet, in all the tools. He's shown you he can hit for power by hitting it to the second deck. He's shown you can hit for average. Now over a 10-game stretch, he's batting 410. He's shown you that he can steal bags. He's stolen, what did I say, something like 10 in the last 10 games, 8 in the last 10 games. He's shown you with the glove that he can be spectacular, the range that he has, not many shortstops have. Think about the plays he's made up the middle this year. Incredible. And then at times, he's shown you the arm as well. All of the stuff needs worked on. There's no doubt about it. Like, he's not a finished product. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that he's found something and he's going to turn into an MVP caliber player now and he's going to be your all-star going forward. That's not what I'm saying. But he's shown you flashes all season long, and now it looks like he's starting to put it all together just a little bit. Just a little bit. And this is a guy that's learning at the big league level. You know, I go back to this a lot. Zim was on, Ryan Zimmerman was on with Grant and Danny before the season at the Nats Gala, and he mentioned, you're not supposed to learn at the big league level, and some of these guys are, and you rush them to the big leagues. And it wasn't the Nationals' fault because San Diego had already called them up, so the time was kind of already started, so there's no reason to leave them in the minors at that point. But this guy was learning at the big league level. He hasn't played tons of baseball professionally yet. He didn't play as many games in the minors, as he now has in the majors, I believe. So this is a guy that's learning at the big league level, and I think you're starting to see some things slow down for him 
and things are starting to click a little bit. And I think that going forward, this is going to be more of the player you're going to see as opposed to the guy you saw early in the season. I want to continue talking about the Nationals. we got one more segment coming up before we turn it over to Charlie and Dave. Again, make sure you listen to the game today. Dylan Cruz is going to drop by and talk with the broadcast, believe in the fifth inning. We'll continue talking Nationals here on 106.7 The Fan on the Odyssey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Yeah. Welcome back. Final segment before we turn it over to Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler for Nats on Deck before Nationals and Giants Game 2. Looks like a decent crowd. Headed to Nationals Park tonight. C.J. Abrams bobblehead. Dylan Cruz is in town. A lot to be excited about for the Nationals tonight. They won game one last night. Hopefully they can win game two tonight. Just looking at the lineup. Nothing stands out too, too much. But, again, C.J. in that leadoff spot has been just a different player. Also, you get Josiah Gray on the mound tonight. That's a fun one. A good pitching matchup, really. Josiah Gray against Logan Webb. JoJo, the Nationals All-Star. Logan Webb comes in 311 ERA. He's a big-time pitcher for San Francisco. They're looking to compete 10 games over 500. So hopefully the Nationals can win a series against the Giants tonight. Make sure you keep it tuned right here after I'm finished. Charlie Slows and Dave Jagler will get you ready. They'll have your play-by-play broadcast. Also, Dylan Cruz is going to drop by. So keep it tuned right here even after I'm off here on 106.7 The Fan. But I want to talk about the trade deadline coming up in just a couple of days. I believe the trade deadline comes up August 1st. It's crazy that we're almost to the point we're talking about August, right? I mean, isn't it nuts that it seems like this year has flown by to the point that we're talking about the trade deadline in baseball. Training camp for the commander starts next week. Rookies already reported, which in case you didn't see, there's nothing to worry about on signing rookies. Emmanuel Forbes and Quan Martin both signed. I think they were just waiting for all the ownership stuff to finish. They're both signed. Everything's ready to go for next week with training camp. I think I'm going to get out there next Saturday. You get into any training camp, Mike? I don't have any plan, but I would love to go. So maybe uh, next Saturday. Have you been to training camp before? Yeah, yeah. I've been back in the day. I used to go with my old man all the time. But I haven't been to a training camp in probably like three or four years because they were in Richmond for a period yeah. of time. but. So I guess it was maybe even more than four years ago. But yeah, I used to go to almost every single one of them. Really? Yeah, I haven't been to one ever. So it's going to be my first time, so I'm excited about it. But getting back into the Nationals here as we wrap up the show today. Looking at the trade deadline, I think if you were to talk about anyone that is just a clear guy that's going out, it's Jamer Candelario. He's been such a good player for the Nationals, so it's going to be tough to let him go. But, I mean, that's ultimately the reason why the Nationals even signed him. This is what the Nationals tried to do with Nelson Cruz last season. didn't work because Cruz didn't play well enough in the first half. So you sign a guy to a one-year deal, hope he plays well in the first half, 
trade him at the deadline, and then, you know, if you really want, bring him back. But it's only a one-year deal. It's only a rental. But this is a guy that's made a real difference. You know, I was talking about it with Ryan, and he mentioned, you know, maybe you could get a decent prospect. I'm not sure what you'll get for him. I would think that it's going to be a lower-level prospect. Maybe you can get a pair of them. Maybe, like he said, package them with someone else, like a Finnegan or a Harvey, if you're going to move a reliever. Or maybe if you want to move Lane Thomas, you pair him with Lane Thomas and give two big bats. But think about the team like the Yankees, where Donaldson's hurt, and it's a pretty bad tear in his calf. So he's going to miss significant time. They're in last place last time I checked. I'll have to look at the standings. But they're competing. Like they're, And I don't see them selling. I don't see the Yankees giving up on this season and selling. But they can look at it like we can add a guy like Jamer Candelario at third base, who's been really good for the Nationals this year, an above-average hitter. And they can get Judge back at some point with Judge now running. They're actually a half game above the Red Sox at this point, 52 and 47. But even so, looking at them going forward, I have a hard time seeing them selling. And they could look at a guy like a Jamer Candelario. You don't have to give up too crazy good of a prospect. You can give a middling prospect, get in a third baseman that can help, get Judge back healthy. And if things don't work out and you still miss the playoffs, oh well, like Jamer walks, but you didn't give up a top prospect. I think there's a team you could look at. You know, a team that maybe needs some third base help or some added pop in the lineup. The Brewers could maybe look at someone like this. But I think that one thing we haven't talked about a whole lot when you talk about the trade deadline is the fact that with the expanded playoffs in baseball now, you could look at getting a little bit more in return than maybe you'd expect. And the reason is there's only a handful of clear sellers. The Nationals are one of them there's going to be a lot of teams that might consider buying. And you know how this works. If there's more buyers, it means that the price goes up a little bit. Not to say that they're going to get some stud for Jamer Candelario on a rental, but they might get something a little bit more than you would expect. We'll see. I mean, at the same point, when you look at it a couple years ago, if you would have told me they could get Lane Thomas for John Lester, I would not have believed you. I mean, that was a heist by Mike Rizzo. So we'll see. I'm not sure. And speaking of Lane Thomas, I've talked about this plenty. That's a guy I wouldn't trade. You know, we've seen him slow down a little bit here since they've come back from the All-Star break. But I think that what he is as a player going forward, I think he's a fourth outfielder. Maybe he can be your everyday right fielder if he continues playing at a, a good enough level. But that's a guy that you can stick around with in the clubhouse, have some veteran leadership. And when you look at what the Nationals' payroll is right now, there's only two guys making over $10 million a year. Patrick Corbin, and Steven Strasburg. And Strauss, I think, is done. I don't think he ever pitches again. But Corbin comes off the books after next season. And after that, you're not spending any money at all. So is it going to hurt you if you spend a little extra cash to maybe keep Lane Thomas around for a couple of extra years, have him be the veteran, be the fourth outfielder at worst? Maybe he's your everyday right fielder while you're you know, developing Dylan Cruz and James Wood and Robert Hassel and hopefully... At some point, Elijah Green, Dalen Lyle. You look at all those guys, they could be coming up and maybe they take Lane Thomas's spot, but I don't mind having some veteran leadership in the clubhouse. At some point, you got to keep someone around. So I think that Lane Thomas could be that guy for me. Now, that being said, if you get a top 100 prospect, I'll trade him. You know, like I don't have an attachment to Lane Thomas that I won't trade him. 
but I'm not going to trade him just for the sake of trading him. He's got two more years of control. If you ask me right now, would I trade him or would I extend him? I would extend him. I think if you could keep him around for two years after arbitration, he's got two more years of control with arbitration. You add two more years on top of that. You got him for four years. I think he'd be 32 at that point. I'm fine with that. You know, then you can let him go somewhere else, but I think he can be the guy that hangs around with this ball club, veteran leadership, a leader on this ball club going forward. I think that's what I do with Lane Thomas. Looking at the bullpen. Oh, this bullpen is tough to watch right now. And you got injuries with Harvey, Carl Edwards. Finnegan's been good. But if you can move those guys, I've said this numerous times. This is how I feel about the bullpen. Any of the guys that you have in the back end, Harvey, Finnegan, Edwards, even if you were to look at some of the other guys if you wanted, but specifically those three, I don't see them as your closer, your eighth inning guy, once this team is competitive again, even though you've got some control for those guys, even though you could keep Finnegan and Harvey around for a couple more years, I would still move them just because of that fact. Like, you can sign a closer down the line if you need a closer. You can sign some bullpen help next year going into next season in the offseason. And I think that's maybe how, the way they'll address it. But I would move those guys if you can get something for them. I mean, if you're a team that needs some bullpen help and you can bring Hunter Harvey in or Kyle Finnegan in and it's not on a rental, it's something where I can keep him around for a little while and they can be my seventh inning guy, my middle relief guy, my fireman in the fourth inning, but my starter's in trouble in the fifth inning, something like that, I think that's a good way to go about it. And so I would trade them in that case. I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen the rest of this off this season with the trade deadline, but... I would move one of those relievers. The problem is they want to create a winning culture here. And if you trade away really any of those guys, right now you're watching them without having two of those guys. Could you imagine if they move on from one of them or two of them and one of them gets hurt or one of them misses time or they're not available that game? It could get ugly, ugly, ugly for this bullpen going forward. It's already ugly. It's tough to watch. Anytime Davey walks out of the dugout and looks the direction of the bullpen, you cringe right now. Like it's, it's a tough spot to be. But that being said, I'd move any of those guys if someone's interested in them. And the last guy that I think is interesting that teams have actually talked about, you've seen reports about it, Ildemar Vargas. That'd be an interesting one because he could help a contender where you get a switch hitter off the bench that can play all over the infield and the corner outfield spots a utility guy that can switch hit and doesn't strike out. I think that plays. So we'll be interested to see what happens here at the trade deadline, but that's something that Mike Rizzo specializes in. We talked about the Lane Thomas trade. If you want to have some fun and you want to have some faith in Mike Rizzo again as a Nationals fan, if you've lost some, go back and look at some of his trade history. That guy has done very, very well in his trades. And even when he trades prospects to go get guys that help you win right now, He's done well at that, too, because they won a World Series in 2019. And, you know, Giolito's been pretty good for the White Sox, but he's been up and down. Jesus Luzardo was a top-pitching prospect at one point. It's not like he's turned into a Cy Young caliber guy. So I think overall, Mike Rizzo has done a fantastic job and have all the faith in the world that he's going to be able to build another winner here in D.C. Excited to see what he does going forward. That's going to do it for me today. I appreciate you guys hanging out. I want to thank... Keith Law for joining us at 5 o'clock. You want to go back and hear him, you can rewind on the Odyssey app or check it out on the podcast. Appreciate Ryan Clary for taking some time out of his Saturday to join us. 
Appreciate my guy Mike behind the glass doing a great job keeping me on track, hitting all the buttons at the right times, which we've struggled with at times before, but we hit all the buttons at the right times today. So I appreciate everyone for hanging out with me. Thanks for listening. I mean, it's been a lot of fun talking with you guys about this name change. That's been very, very polarizing. Also talking about the Nationals. Appreciate you guys hanging out. For my guy Mike behind the glass, I'm Toby Altizer saying talk to you later. Go Nats. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.